Yesterday, I had the privilege of participating in an ordination for a priest, John Trammell, to be specific, somebody that I served with when I was at Eucharist Church in San Francisco doing the church planter and residency program. John's a fantastic guy, and just to see the Lord lead him through that process of first discerning, should he enter into holy orders, then starting with the diaconate, serving faithfully there, doing his theological training, and now coming to this point of really staying before everybody, and, and I do mean everybody. The bishop is there in the chair in front of him. There are other reverends surrounding him, uh, bearing witness to what's about to happen, affirming him and confirming him. There's family members, because it's Eucharist, there's even incense, that's kind of how they do things there. Uh, there's just this marvelous sense of not only celebration, but a holiness about it. There's a sacred aspect to this commissioning of this man to be serving in the role of priest, in the role of pastor, perhaps at some point in the role of rector. And because it's an Anglican ordination, it's suffused with liturgy, there's a particular part in the liturgy that's called the exhortation, where the bishop exhorts John to, with these words, I now exhort you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be a messenger watchman, and a student of the Lord. You are to teach, to warn, to feed, and to provide for the Lord's family, and to seek for Christ's sheep who are in the midst of this fallen world, that they may be saved through Christ forever. Remember how great is this treasure committed to your charge. Those words are meaningful to me every time I read them. This was a marvelous opportunity for me to be refreshed in that same calling, the same vows that I took a few years ago in the Anglican Communion. But they're not just restricted to those who are ordained as priests. One of the things that Anglicanism talks about is the priesthood of all believers. And that's a good thing because that's pretty scriptural. And so many of the things that you just heard read that John was exhorted to embrace are also incumbent on us as well. We too are responsible for some degree of teaching, for caring for one another, for loving one another, for being aware of what goes on in this fallen world and to know that God at times has us to be his people of rescue, his people of refuge, his people of safety. I want us to press into that based on the text that you read, our, our epistles, this, in fact, through the month of October, are centered in 2 Timothy. And you just heard the first couple verses where we'll be focused. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. We need to be qualified to teach others. We are charged with passing this on. And so the question I think that this text raises for us today, at least raised for me, is what does it mean to be a reliable people? What does it mean for us as individuals? What does it mean for us as a church? And as I thought through this, prayed through this, wrestled through some of these places, I, there's just some, some 
observations, if you will, some reflections that I want to offer that I think will be helpful for each of us and helpful for us as a church. Now, I don't want to assume that we all know the importance of reliability. Reliability is something that you automatically say, yes, I, I, I want reliable people with me. Doesn't that start early in life if you were ever choosing sides in a ball game of some kind? You automatically knew the people that you wanted on your team. I, I want that guy or that girl on my team. If you've been assigned a class project, you, you knew who the smart kids were that you wanted to pair up with or be paired up with pretty quickly. If you're at work now and you're assigned at some kind of project, you definitely know who you want on that team. Patrick Lencioni, who is... A, uh, someone who consults, his whole group consults with not only businesses, but also with churches. He says when they're hiring, they're looking effectively for reliable people. And he defines it this way. Somebody who's reliable, is, we look for somebody who's, who is hungry, humble, and smart. You have those three, three things together, and you have somebody who's reliable. Somebody who's faithful. Somebody you can depend on. Somebody who has been proven not necessarily a rookie, somebody who you can entrust. This is what Paul is saying to Timothy. Paul finds Timothy reliable, but, and he wants Timothy to take what Paul has poured into his life and find others in his missionary journey that he can entrust the gospel with. This is so important. Some of you, if you know how just the, the Lord works on, on spreading the gospel, it is through this very method of entrusting to reliable people. If you're ever trained in that ministry of multiplication, you know that from a mathematical perspective, you have, uh, you, perhaps you've heard this comparison. If you could preach to 100,000 people a day, we, we rent out Levi Stadium, we, we get some overflow at Stanford. Between those two, we got 100,000 people in each of those venues, and we have some ability to preach to them each and every day for a solid month, 30 days. We'd be able to reach... Three million people. That'd be pretty impressive. Like if we sponsored that as a church, that'd, that'd kind of get us on the map more. That would be really fun. That'd be great. On the other hand, if just I share with two people, Cindy and Benny, and they go off and share with two more people tomorrow, and then those people that they shared with the following day share with two more people, we have exponential growth. Now you have two to the power of 30, which I looked it up, it's a little over a billion, like 1,700,000,000. That's a lot. There's, you know, this is God-ordained, how we share the gospel, how we spread this, how we, how we take what he's put into us, into our life, and we look for opportunities. We have a heart of expectation to be able to share that with other people. And so Paul is very much saying to Timothy, in the presence of what you've heard, me saying with many witnesses, you know, he's heard Paul present the gospel, he's heard Paul argue and, and wrestle with, with basic philosophers, he's heard Paul go against the deities of the day that are not God. He's heard all these things, all these entrust that catechism, if you will, that gospel to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. So what does it mean then to be reliable in this context? There's a few things that I want to keep in my mind and I want to share with you. If I want to be intentional and deliberate about being a reliable person in this calling that Paul has 
for us and us as a body called Holy Trinity, the first thing that comes to my mind is to focus on the value of the gospel, to see it as a sacred trust. This was something that each of the disciples held so dear. And they would write about it later on. They would, Peter says in his first epistle, For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver and gold, things that have value in our world, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in the last times for your sake. The precious blood of God is such that, like, this is the trust that you've given me, Jesus, to take what you've done for me and to share what that means for those that I care about on my job, in my family, in my neighborhood. That's what you've done for me. And I, I think at times it's, it's easy for us I'll speak for myself. It's easy, easy, easier for me than I, would, I ought to admit as a rector to lose a little bit of that, that direct line of sight because I get distracted by other things. You know, there's, there's other things besides just that. And those are natural. You know, there's, there's a, just sort of daily living. You can't be thinking about the gospel all the time. But you can be thinking about and seeing life as a way that we are living out the calling of the gospel in our life in certain ways, in particular circumstances. So to think of the gospel is not to just say, well, I'm not going to pay attention to work. I'm not going to be, have my head in this conversation. I'm, not, you know, I'm always going to be working an evangelistic agenda. That's not what I mean. What, what living out the gospel means is, is to say that, Lord, I know that in each and every situation that I'm in, in my very being, I move and have my being in you in that great news of who you are, in that redemptive work that you have done, in that love that's expressed through that. And I just want to have an opportunity to bear witness to that. Sometimes I get to do that verbally. Sometimes I, and most often through actions, oftentimes it's quietly, it's through prayer, it's through coming alongside of somebody. I know some of you guys, as I've been in conversation with you, you're praying for people at work. Some of them know that you're praying for them and others don't. You've heard what's going on in their life and the Lord just leads you to pray for them and to be asking what's going on. So it is a precious thing to have the gospel given to us as a sacred trust. And I pray that as the Spirit works on us through this week, that, that, is, that sense of great responsibility and opportunity and blessing is just elevated in our minds. It's really the first observation. The second thing that Paul is talking about that occurs to me is that we pass on only you know, what we have actually received. The, in other words, the good news that we've personally experienced. That's what we're commanded to pass on to other people. Sometimes if you can hear this call to, to stand up and to bear testimony to the Lord, but the best testimony comes from just our own experience seeing how God works in our life and being willing to share that whatever way, shape, or form. Sometimes you just get a snippet, but being a, a small opportunity to do that. But we pass that on to people. We pass on only what we've received. I think there's such an authenticity in that. You know, there are people that we know that are seekers that are looking all over the place trying to find what they've been created only to find in Christ whether they know that or not. Some people we know that we grew up going to church with have pulled back 
or just stop going altogether for a variety of reasons, many of which are quite understandable. The abuse that they've seen in the church, the hypocrisy that they've seen, the mixed agendas, the empire building, the inability of churches to be able to talk to one another, agree with one another, support churches that have been historically marginalized and been uh, actually hurt by the actions of other Christians. These are real issues. And these are understandably ones that would create separation. How do, what do we speak into their lives? We speak what we have received from the Lord, whatever wisdom that is, whatever ways that we found to, to wrestle through that. Or maybe we're still wrestling and we're saying, Lord, I just want to I just come alongside somebody. I just want to share where I am and how I'm dealing with that. We can only pass on what we receive. We pass on I think what's important, we, we pass on the life in Christ that we've experienced. That sense of always being loved. That sense of an unshakable future, even when the, what's going on around us seems to be going from bad to worse. I mean, things in, the, it, in our day and age are challenging most of the time, but there seems to be a perfect storm gathering of, of the following, a proliferation of narratives about who we are, our identity, or people's identity. I don't mean Christians, but everybody's got some version of who they are, what the good life is, what's truly meaningful in life, what's happening in our culture. That's been going on for some time. Add to that the apparent decrease in the relevance of the church for some of the reasons I mentioned earlier. Add to that an increase in the uncertainty that's just going on. Let's just take a few of those reasons. The greater prospect of, of a pending recession. If you're listening to the news, okay, economic news is not good. It's getting worse. Um, there's more talk even today of the potential for a nuclear conflict. That's something I haven't heard in at least 40 years. And that's in the news. Add to that um, an election cycle, which is always has its own sort of you know, ingredients to that kind of mix. There's greater uncertainty. How do we pass on what we've received from God to our friends and our family who are in this same place of wrestling? How do we pass on the hope that we have of the unshakable future? How do we pass on, and this is where it gets a little more personal and I think it, it authentic, we, the experience of being forgiven and restored when we've really messed up. When the very people that we never wanted to hurt are the ones that we hurt the most. When we said that we would never do that thing again and then we've done that thing again. As Paul cries out in Romans 7, wretched man that I am. To be in that place is a place of powerful witness. And to be able to share that with those around us. To say I too am on the way. I am not perfect but I, Lord, by God's grace am faithful. So... To be reliable is to pass on just what we know and see and experience God doing in our life. I think to be a reliable people then is to invite other people into that story. To, as I said, share from not a place of perfection or arrival, but a place of being on the way and a place of weakness. We are passing on God's faithfulness, not our own perfect story. Because we can't pass that on. We don't have a perfect story. What's the way to do this? Is, is there a, a key to being reliable? I think there is. I'm glad you asked. 
I, I think it's found in the, in the first verse that we looked at. It says this, just to remind you. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. To be reliable then is effectively to be responsive to God's grace. You know, that word reliable but it can be kind of a, it can, I don't know, in some ways that can be sort of judgmental. Are you a reliable kid? Oh my goodness, I hope I'm a reliable. Uh, you know, but it means to be faithful. It means basically to be responsive to the leading of the Spirit. Strong, says Paul to Timothy, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So what that means for me, the, the big application for me as I thought about that is I, I was convicted of how much I, when I'm thinking about something that needs to be done or some decision that needs to be made or some direction that needs to be headed in, I look at it from a lot of different angles. I'm pretty, I can be pretty analytical to the point where it's, I'm like, I, I just kind of eventually like, well, after all that, not quite sure what to do. And I realize if I am starting to get a little bit more like, huh, we really need to get some work done here. We need to get some decisions made. What should I be doing? You know what I should be doing? I should be calling out for the grace of Jesus Christ. The wisdom that I need for the moment that I'm in. The wisdom that you need for the moments that you're in. How often do we spend a lot of time just spinning our own wheels, just deciding, you know, oh, I can figure this out. We're in a world right now, we're in a place, a geography that likes to figure things out. Smart people, we are surrounded by some really smart people. That can be intimidating. And we think, oh, I got to figure out stuff like they're figuring out stuff. Nope, the grace that we need to be the people we're called to be comes from Jesus Christ. And I'm glad that it does. So the key to being reliable is effectively to be responsive, to reach out for that grace that we need when we're feeling stressed or overwhelmed, the first diagnostic question that needs to come is like, Lord, have I reached out to you? Have I asked for your grace, your wisdom? Have I asked for your patience? Have I asked for your forgiveness? Have I asked for just for you to make a way when I don't even see what that is? If I don't have enough information to make a decision now or enough conviction, Lord, I can wait for you to bring whatever else I need into that situation. The key to reliability is responsiveness and the key to that is reaching out and being strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. So what does that mean for us as a church? It's a good question for us. Are we a reliable church? Are we a church that's entrusting the things that we've been entrusted with by God to, to others? Do we expect this multiplication to go on for God to bring people who are seeking, who are just as challenged by this world that we are and yet are, and are without the hope that we have? That is why we are a church, by the way. The church, if it's not careful, can sort of devolve into kind of a little bit of a holy club where we feel good with one another and the relationships are good and, those are, and they are and they're life-giving. But we, we can't forget the calling that we've received and the task that has been given to us, this great and sacred trust. We'll explore in the weeks ahead through the rest of 2 Timothy. It's in your lectionary, by the way, so you can read ahead. Um, ways that, that God allows us to do that, to be a reliable church as well as reliable people. Next week, we'll look at the second part of this chapter, which is all about the Word of God. And after that, just be, one of the things I love about Scripture is it's very honest, and there's a lot about enduring and suffering. Um, that just comes with the job description. That comes with being a person who belongs to Jesus Christ. That comes from being a reliable person. We're everywhere and always dependent on his grace. But we will always at some, well, 
we will be thrilled at some point when we are with him in heaven to know that it was all worth it. And we will look back on times such as this and the time when we were first commissioned by virtue of our own confession of faith to be a reliable person. Amen. Thanks for being with us online in the sermon podcast. To find out more about Holy Trinity Silicon Valley, head to www.holytrinitysv.org.